in 2019, and we have had six snowstorms on those eight Sundays. We only had two Sundays where the weather was Iowa decent in the winter time, and uh, and we're and, and we were able to kind of have people. And, and I tell you what, I feel like I miss people. Like we're not able to all be together and all that. But I'm glad you are here today. Again, we're going to start calling you guys the four wheel drive crew or something like that because you're able to make it out. Um, but those of you watching on Facebook, I know we lost you for a while, but I'm glad you're back now, and uh, welcome wherever you're watching this morning. Glad you are with us here this morning. We are starting a new sermon series, as you saw in your bulletin, called Stories. We're very excited about this, and, 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 and with this idea, we're going to be showing the videos like we just saw of stories of people uh, sharing about their experience at New Hope over the coming weeks. And, I tell you what, just that day, I got a chance to watch it a few days ago, and, and as you just got to see it now, and, and what an encouragement. I love hearing, I love hearing stories. I love hearing the stories of, of, of people and how God has worked in their life and how God has used New Hope Church in their life, um, and, and I think that's the case with all of us. I think, I think we do love stories. Um, I love, for example, I love overcomer stories. You know those stories where somebody uh, faces something really hard in life, and then the story of how they they persevered through, how they got through it, how they overcame whatever trial that they were facing. I love those kinds of stories; they're inspiring. Um, I love love stories. How about that? You know the stories where where two people fall in love, and then the story of like his proposal. Like I'm always like, how, how creative was he? Like what did he do? You know? And we love those stories or or faith stories. I feel like I'm really hot in the microphone. Get that down, please. Uh, faith stories of like of like um, people's lives and how God has changed their lives, how God has has done a work inside of them, and 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 how they first met Jesus and said yes to Him. Again, I think we love stories, and we're challenged by them. We're inspired by stories. I mean, that's just that's just how it is for us. And so we are, as I mentioned before, we're starting a new service series. It's called Stories, and what we're going to be doing is taking. Starting next Sunday, really, we're going to be taking multiple weeks, six weeks, we'll be looking at the stories of people in the New Testament, looking at their stories, and people that, that I know we read them in Scripture, and we think, well, they were so different than we were. They were just different people, and in a lot of ways, they weren't. I mean, the, the times they lived was different, and what they experienced may have been different, but there were people just like us, and looking at how did God change their lives, what did he do in them, so that we can learn from those experiences, and so, uh, uh, their experiences, that is. And so next Sunday, we start with our first example. We'll be looking at the Apostle Paul starting next Sunday, and so I'm very excited about that as we work through and learn from these different stories. But as we go through all of it, here's really the big idea, and the idea I want to focus on this morning. It's this, this question, really. And the question is this. What is your story? What's your story? What has God done in your life? What, what's God doing today? What, what are you trusting God to do as you look ahead into the future? We all have a story, too. In addition to that, not only this important question, we're also going to be taking time and we're going to be looking at the New Hope Church story. The New Hope Church story. We, we, as you have heard already, and even coming in this morning, maybe you picked up on, but coming up here in a few weeks, New Hope Church turns 20 years old. That's a big deal. There are a few different dates that are a big deal typically for a church. Uh, oftentimes, leave that first birthday, if you will, for a church is a big deal. Most church plants, like 70%, don't even get to the first year. Then if you can get to that third year, that's a big deal too, because usually a church plant then is established if they can get to the third year. 
birthday. And again, like 80, 85, upwards of 90% of those churches don't even make it that far. And so just the fact that New Hope is here 20 years later to get to this birthday, it's a big deal. So we want to take time to celebrate. Celebrate what God has done. Take time to tell God thank you for all of the, the, the incredible faithful and good work that he has done in the lives of people over 20 years. When you came in this morning, I hope you took a chance as you were thawing out and grabbing coffee or whatever you're doing to look in the lobby. There is a timeline wall. Anybody get a chance to see that yet? Anybody go by and look? Okay, maybe like one of us. Okay, awesome. Well, after church, make sure you do that because it is a fantastic display. I mean, it goes back from the very beginning. Pictures of that first gathering of New Hope Church, and there's bulletins and newspaper clippings and a photo album, and it really does capture the story of New Hope Church. I'd encourage you to take some time to go to go check uh, check that out. We're going to be watching more videos like we just saw here this morning. Pastor Tom already talked about the baptism tub. We want to start this new tradition where anybody who's going to get baptized, when they come up here or maybe we're outside at a lake or a river, whatever the case may be, and they're going to share their story, they get a chance to sign the tub because here's why. Because it's part of the story of New Hope Church. That when we look at that tub and we see names, and we may not know every name on there, we may not be able to read the signature, but we know that those, those are people, people whose God has changed their life. And we can celebrate, look what God has done through the story of New Hope Church. So as he's already encouraged, if you have, have been baptized in association with New Hope Church, meaning it was here, it was in that lovely looking tub, or maybe it was, again, it was in a swimming pool, it was a lake, it was a river, it was a garden hose, I don't know what it was, but it was like you were kind of, your baptism was attached to New Hope Church. I want to invite you to come up after the service and you can sign that tub and, and it's permanent. It'll be on there for so, so we're doing that. We're, we're doing, uh, uh, coming up in April, we're going to do a special gathering at ABM Elementary School on the very first day that the church had its first worship gathering. And so we're celebrating that, uh, that special time uh, together there. And then one last thing, and because you have four-wheel drive and you came out this morning, I'm going to give you a sneak peek at what other people have not seen yet. Because the last thing we're going to be doing over the next several weeks, we're going to be opening up a New Hope Church online clothing store just for a handful of weeks. It's a chance for you to get a shirt if you'd like. And we also have this 20th anniversary special edition church shirt Excuse me, that Hannah Sanders designed. There it is. So you can see a few little examples. We've got sweatshirts and hats and that kind of a thing. And so this is something that you can go onto the website even now. The store's not open, but you can go on now and you can check out some of the things that are on there if you would like to get a, a New Hope shirt. Uh, or sweatshirt or something like that. So anyway, a lot is going on and, and it, it kind of felt like an infomercial, but really what I'm trying to highlight is that this is just a special season in the life of our church. And we really want to celebrate and make it that kind of a festive time. And so very excited for what we're doing. So if you would uh, grab your Bible, please. And we're going to be in the book of Romans this morning. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to go. And uh, again, if you have a tablet or smartphone, you can go to uversion.com and you can follow along that way. And what I really want to do this morning in introducing our sermon series called Stories is I want us to deep dive into a couple verses, just two verses this morning, and, and unpack these two verses. These are maybe familiar verses. They're, they're important verses uh, theologically, and they will lay the groundwork for what we're going to cover uh, this morning. So as you're turning there to Romans chapter 12, uh, I want to give the setting here. This is the Apostle Paul writing this book. Now, the same Apostle Paul that we're going to be looking at his story next Sunday, but he's writing this letter to the believers uh, in, in Rome, and he's, he's interacting with them. And in this book, it's really divided into two sections. You have Romans chapters 1 through 11. That's 
one section of the book. And the starting in chapter 12, where we're going to pick up, is a second section of the book. The first section is really Paul laying out the gospel. He's laying out the gospel story. He's talking about uh, uh, who Jesus is. He's talking about all that Jesus has done for us. He's, he's talking about the cross. He, he's laying out in this very rich theological passages here in chapters, the, the gospel. And then when we get to chapter 12, verse 1, Paul's going to make a transition on us, and this gets into more of the application side. So in a sense, Paul's saying this, in light of everything that God has done for you, done for me, how are we then to respond back to him? That's really where we're going here. And so that helps us set the groundwork as we get to chapter 12, starting in verse 1. So let's go ahead and read together. It's on the screen behind as well. Here's what it says. Paul's writing. He says, therefore, now remember, this is our hinge verse. So in light of everything from chapters 1 through 11, therefore, he says, I urge you. Now in the Greek, this is a really strong word. This means I beg you. Like he is imploring them. He is saying, with everything I have in me, I am begging you to do what I'm about to say. He says, therefore, I, I urge you, brothers and sisters, so he's writing to fellow Christians, in view of God's mercy, or again, in other words, in light of everything that, that God has done for you, as he outlined in chapters 1 through 11, in view of God's incredible mercy, here it is, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So it's answering a few questions here. The first question is, is what does God want from you? What does, he, what does he really want from you? And Paul gives us that answer. He, he wants us to offer, as it says, offer our bodies. Or in other words, that's, that, that really means offer all of you, all that, all that you are. Offer all of you to God. And, and, and well, how do you do that? And, and what does that look like? And here he says, and here's the key, as a living sacrifice. So in other words, God is no longer interested in the Old Testament sacrificial dead sacrifice system. That's not what he's looking for. Rather, he's looking for us to come and offer our body to him or all of us to him as a living sacrifice sacrifice, where we come as a living sacrifice to him, which means we do it day by day by day. This is meaning total commitment. This is where we come, we say, God, you get all of my heart. You get all of my obedience. You get all of me, all of me laid at your feet in, in this act of worship. See, God wants, God wants to have the place in your heart that he already rightly has in the universe. And that is the place of Lord. He is Lord of all, but he wants that place in our heart. He wants that place where we say, yes, that's the case. And so every single day, you and I, we get to wake up every day and answer the question, am I gonna give God what he most desires? Again, you and me living sacrifice, choosing to come before him and say, God, I am going to live to the best that I know how, a life of total surrender. But here's the problem. Here's the problem with a living sacrifice is that living sacrifices have the temptation to crawl off the altar. Living sacrifices have the temptation to say, I don't know if I want to be here because being a sacrifice is hard. It means saying no to self 
so that you can say yes to God. It means putting him first. And so what can happen sometimes in contrast to this living sacrifice idea is that we can develop what I call and others have called this, this, this lifestyle that's, that's known as the plus Jesus lifestyle. Maybe you've heard of that before. This plus Jesus. So what that looks like is I live my life. I do my thing. I'm in charge. I go about the affairs of my life and I add a little Jesus to my life. Like he's table salt or something like that. Just a little, a little Jesus flavor as I do what I do. But that's not what God's calling us to. That's not this idea of living sacrifice here. Again, where we say, God, I'm going I'm to live my life and I'm going to do my thing and when it's convenient and not a blizzard, I'm, I'll come to church. And, and, when, and when it's not too hard, yeah, God, I'll, I'll live for you. But, but that's kind of about it. That's as far as it goes. But I, I want to keep a little bit of you in my life, if you will. And so we feel good sometimes by giving God a, a little place at our table, if you will. Not, re- not remembering, forgetting that God owns the whole table. What we're called to here, this idea of living as a living sacrifice is that, God, my life is all about you. You're Lord of the universe, and so I'm going to make you Lord of my life. Every story is a little bit different, but I will tell you in my story, I came to Christ in October of 1992. And it wasn't like moment by moment, I mean, right in that moment, that he was automatically Lord of my life in the way I'm talking about it today. It took time. In fact, it took a few years. It took some moments in my life before I came to a point where I said, okay, God, I believe it's true and I believe you're you and I believe you died on the cross for my sins and yes, I'm a Christian, but, but this is the part where I'm saying, okay, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I'm gonna do what I know to do, do the best I know to live as a living sacrifice. Sometimes that takes time. It takes time to come to that lordship place where we say, God, this is what I want to do. God, this is how I want to live my life. I mean, for most of us, we're very much a work in progress, aren't we? So a living sacrifice. Let's go to verse two now. Let's add this idea, the second idea. Paul continues. He says this. He says, do not conform. Now that word in the Greek, conform, what that means is to synchronize. Think synchronized swimming or sync sync your watch or whatever. It means to synchronize or to imitate, to copy. do Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but rather be transformed. In other words, as a follower of Jesus, as we can deep dive into this, he, he's saying, look, as a follower of Jesus, you're not to imitate the ways of the world. You're, you're not to copy the ways of the world. There's no effort in that. It takes no effort. We're not to try to be like everyone else. In fact, as Paul's going to continue to outline here, he says, if you're following Jesus, if you're truly following Jesus, your life will look different than the way that everybody else lives. It's just going to. In fact, I'll go a step further and say this, that a person who is following Jesus will not look like, cannot look like everybody else in culture and how they live. That it's not possible to live and look like everyone else, to conform to the to the ways of this age and at the same time follow Jesus as a living sacrifice. It's not possible. It puts us in a position we have to choose. We have to wrestle with that and say, God, what what am I going to do today? Because you have that choice. I I can go one way or another. I could conform or I could be transformed. 
which one am I going to do? We have that choice. In contrast, the word here for transformed, we have a slide for this. Transformed is where we get the word for metamorphosis, which, which has this idea, as you see there on the slide, it says a change of the form or nature of a thing or person into something completely different. This is where the nature changes, the form changes, and, and, and metamorphosis is something into totally different. This is, this is caterpillar to butterfly kind of talk. That's metamorphosis. That's what we're talking about here with this idea of being transformed. And this is a significant difference. Here's, in fact, I hope you have a bulletin on the backside. You're gonna be doing some things here this morning with that. So on the backside, here's your first fill in the blank. It's this idea. It's this, that we can conform. You and I can do that all day long. We do it all the time. We can conform, but only God can transform us. Only he can do that. We, we can't do that. We can conform, but, but the work of transformation is something that God does inside of us. That's the difference. So how does he do this? Well, let's keep reading here. Again, verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, and here it is, by the renewing, or in other words, the restoring of your mind. How does it happen? The restoring, the renewing, of your mind. This is what God does in us. Here's your next fill in the blank. It's this. This is why it's so important. It's this. When you change the way you think, you change the way you live. When you change the way you think, you change the way you live. Because we will always do, follow, if you will, our thinking. Ideas always have consequences, and the patterns of thinking that we have will impact and sometimes even dictate how we live and what we do. See, God leads this process. God leads this process of, of renewing our minds. The Holy Spirit comes into us and begins to work in us to change that, the, the way we think. Because see, we all in our lives, we form different habits of thinking. We have different ruts in our thinking. There's different ways that we just kind of fall into these patterns and that's how we are. And then that person who has these habits and patterns of thinking says yes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes into them. It's not like in that exact moment, they then automatically, everything about their way they think changes. See, the old habits are still there. The ruts in our thinking are still there. And so God begins this process through the Holy Spirit of renewing our thinking, of renewing the way we process through that. This is, this is the work that he does to restore our mind. If you want to impress your friends, this is the, the fancy word for this is called sanctification. That's the fancy word. You can go to a dinner party and impress all your friends and drop that word. So sanctification, just meaning that this is the process where the, where the Holy Spirit is helping us become more like Jesus. This is what he's doing. This is the sanctification process of, of transforming us, of, in this case, renewing or restoring the way we think or our mind. And I think any of us, we could, you could do this, I could do this, and we could think through our own story, our own life, and the role that Jesus has played and how he has helped to restore the ways we think. But we can also probably point to some areas of, you know what, but God's still at work. I'm still very much under construction. He's still definitely doing a work in my mind and in my heart in some areas, including the way I think. I know, I mean, for me, I can, I can think of habits and ruts that I have in how I think about myself, for example. Or we could, we could have examples of like insecurities that we carry or different patterns of thinking that we have about other people. 
or relationships. We're trusting God to do a work in our heart and to renew our mind. This is what he wants to do. So he's calling. He says, look, don't, don't, don't conform, but, but let me do something different. Let me transform. This is a game changer here. In fact, here's the next fill in the blank. And really, I think what I'm trying to say to pull it all together is this, is that religious behavior, it might make you nice because any one of us could play a part. Some of us can do it very well. Play the religious part, being a nice person. And, and, and we can do that. We can conform in that way, but only Jesus can make you new. You can't do that, and I can't do that. Only Jesus can come in and do that kind of transforming work in your heart and life. Only, only the Lord can come in where you say for the first time yes to Jesus, and all of a sudden he says, you're a new creation. I've just done something incredible, and now I'm setting you on this new adventure to do something new in your heart, and I'm going to radically transform who you are. This is the adventure of following Christ, and this is what he wants to do with us. See, we, we can conform all day long, but only Jesus can transform. Only Jesus can make you new. Paul, the same author, he says something similar to this in another book of the Bible. I just want to echo it in a different place. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. You can look, just look behind me here. Look what he says. He says, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Now, some of you, you can relate to this. Maybe even some of you here this morning. But what he's saying here is, you know, when I was, you know, confronted with who Jesus is, I thought of him from a human point of view. So I, I thought of him as, you know, like great teacher, moral guy, said some interesting things, historical figure. I mean, high, high opinion of him, but he's just some other historical person who's in a grave like everybody else. That's, that's one way of looking. He says, look, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from this human point of view. But then he says this, but how differently, and here's the word, the key one to circle, we know him now. Paul's saying is, I've gotten to know Jesus. As I've spent time with the living, resurrected Savior of the world, as I've spent time with him, and I'm, I, I, just, I don't just know about him, but I mean, I know him. I'm getting to know him. I realize he, he's so much more than any of those things. He's so much more than what I thought he was. And again, maybe some of you can relate to this here. And then he continues on verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone belongs to Christ, look, not just believes in Christ, another word to circle, if anyone belongs to Christ, that place of surrender, that place of he is my Lord, he is my Savior, if anyone belongs to Christ, they become a new person. The old has gone and a new life has begun. That's exciting. That's transformation. That's, that's a complete change. This is what Jesus wants to do in you. This is the story he wants to tell through you. So here's the thing. It is my hope, and more importantly than that, it is, it is God's hope, that your faith story is really a love story. That your story is a story where you can tell it of a God who radically loves you. Of a God that no matter what you've done, sees you through the eyes of grace, who sent his son to die in our place on the cross. We didn't deserve it. We can't repay him. 
But out of that kind of love and to bring glory to God, went to the cross in our place. And in, in, in that place, offers to all of us this free gift of salvation, that, that your story would be a story where you recognize that God has won your heart. A story where you can tell the story of how God has, and you have built a relationship. A story where you can point out and say, in this relationship I have with God, he is showing me new things all the time. And he's helping me become a person like, like I was before, but different, more like Jesus. And it's changing my life, my priorities, my relationships, and everything about me that you can tell a story where you can point out the difference in your life because you know him and he loves you. That you can have a story, a faith story, that is marked by the point where you said, you know, I came to a point where I got tired of conforming just so I could fit in to win the applause of people I'm not even sure I like. And I reached a point where I said, no more. Because I want to serve an audience of one for the God who loved me more than anyone ever, ever has or will to go to the cross. And he went to the cross in my place for that and to recognize that and to say, I want to let him into my life and say, I'm yours. I want to quit conforming. It's time to let him start transforming me. So I hope your faith story has those kind of chapters in it where you could tell people about that. And so as I mentioned earlier, I want to ask this morning as we sort of begin to close here, what's your story? What's your story today? And maybe for some of you, you're here this morning, you're like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I've never thought about it. Maybe for some of you, you're thinking, I don't know. I'm not even sure I have a faith story. In fact, if you were to think of a faith story as like a book, I think I'm somewhere on page one of chapter one, and it's just blank. I'm not sure what my story is. I don't know what even God wants to write on those pages of my life. Maybe for some of you this morning, you have a full story. And it's a story that is epic. And it's a story that is beautiful. And it's a story that has ups and it's a story that has downs and challenges. But it's a story that's unfolding. And you're loving the ride. You're loving the journey. And you can't wait to see what else God begins to write on the pages of your life. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey this morning, but I'd like for us to take some time this morning to evaluate what is my story? What is my testimony? What, what, what has God been doing in my life? And the way I want to do this is I want to just share with you what's called, I've called the clothesline illustration. I don't have time this morning to unpack all of how it works, but essentially it's, it's a clothesline meaning three snapshot stories because a testimony, a story, a faith story tends to follow along three questions. And the three questions are in your bulletin. They're on the screen behind. It's there. My life before I met Jesus was, and you have some stories with that. How I met Jesus, what happened when I met Jesus? That's an important question. What, what is God, number three, what is God teaching me today? What are the things that he's teaching me and teaching you today? So much of our stories revolve around this. And what this kind of thing does when we answer these kind of questions is it keeps us from just keep telling a story that's really about our story. You know how that goes. I was born at a really young age and then I grew up and it's just a story that meanders about yourself. And, and really a story, a faith story, is not about how bad you were. It's about how God, good God is. And so these questions help us get our attention on him 
And what are the pages that he's writing in your life? I can share with you my own story. A story where I didn't come to Christ until I was 18 years old. It's, my story is one where the answer to that first question and, and I could go through and I could share stories of, of challenges in my life that um, through certain events led me to a place where I was very skeptical. And I didn't have any background with church or the Bible. I didn't up to this point when I was almost 18 years old in high school, of course, during that time. But I was at a place where I, I, I held to this idea that I'm not even sure God exists, but if he does exist, I'm not sure I want anything to do with him. And then I met somebody, a, a guy named Victor. Victor was my water polo coach. Um, uh, and we spent a lot of time together. And, and Victor was a new believer himself. And Victor was, was a guy that he didn't have many answers. He was learning about Jesus, really, uh, for himself for the first time. But he had, he had a lot of joy. He had a lot of passion. He had a lot of courage. And he was very open with his faith. And it intrigued me enough because I didn't have any of those characteristics in my life. And so I began to ask Victor questions. We'd go on bus trips. And I'd be like, all right, how does this guy live 800 years old in the Old Testament? Answer that one. You know, trying to zing him, if you will. And, and he did his best. But after a while, I didn't really care because I noticed the change that Jesus was making in his life. And then one night in October of 1992, we were in his car and he had the courage to say, can I tell you the difference Jesus has made? Can I, can I just lay it out for you? And I said, sure. And it wasn't polished and it wasn't pretty and it may have theologically even been off on a couple points, but Victor told me about Jesus. And he said, what do you think? I said, yeah, I'm in. And that night we prayed together in his car. And that was the night I said yes to Christ. That's the best decision I ever made. Because that's the decision that began to change my life right then and it continues to change my life. And God has done a lot of work in my life and he's continued to do so. But one area I mentioned before, I was pretty skeptical. It's in the area of trust. And this, he's still working on that today. He's still working in my heart on that. In fact, this last sermon series we just did on the seven ways God grows your faith, that wasn't just for you. That's for me too. To grow in this area, I wanna grow in this area. And God is helping me. He, he really is. And I could share my, lots of stories about that. And it's interesting that my life verse continues to be just as relevant today as it was 26 years ago. My life verse from Isaiah chapter 25, verse one, it says, O Lord, you are my God, and I will exalt you and praise your name. Why? Because in perfect faithfulness, you've done marvelous things, things planned long ago. This is what God has done. So what's your story? What I'm gonna do now is we're gonna play a video it's just a song. It's, it's, not, it's just meant to play while you do this, but I'd like to give you about three minutes and I want to invite you to write down some of your thoughts about your story. And you're not gonna have time to fill it all out, but what are some of the things in your story? Answering some of those questions. Because I know, I know how it's gonna work. We're gonna leave here and you'll go shovel snow all day and all night and all that kind of thing. So, so let's just do this now. Let's just write down some thoughts right now. And if you're not sure, you can listen to the video and listen to the song, that's totally fine. Um, but if you're on Facebook, we'll probably go silent here for a minute if you're watching with us, but you're gonna have a slide that's gonna pull up. It's gonna have the exact same questions for you so you can interact at home with these very questions. Uh, small groups, are, some small groups are gonna be working on these tonight uh, in this week during your small group time. But uh, I wanna give you a chance to interact with these questions and then we'll come up and we're gonna close uh, our service this morning. So let's go ahead and do that now as we play this song and you can interact with these questions.
or it's like a fingerprint. There's no two exactly the same. That's a pretty cool thing. And your story is still unfolding. And I love that idea that God is not finished with you. No matter what it looks like today, he's not done. And that gives hope, and that's a fantastic thing. And then the third thing I think is important to note is that a story, a testimony, it's a powerful tool to tell other people about the God who's made such a difference in your life. Because as you share your faith, people can quibble and argue about all kinds of things, but not your story. Because they can't say it didn't happen if it did. Because it did. It's a beautiful thing. Let's pray together, and then we're going to close with worship, and, uh, and we'll go from there. Father, thank you so much for this, this morning. Thank you for uh, the chance to be together, whether we're here in this room or watching online. Uh, thank you for how you are sovereign over all the details of our lives, that, and it includes our story. That includes our past and things that we've gone through. It includes where we're at today, and we recognize with New Hope Church and, and all the people that you've called here and those that call New Hope home that we are in different places on our journey. But we thank you, Father, that you're the Lord of it all. And I pray that each one of us would take moments today, this week, to, to give thought about our story and what you're doing in our lives, to give you praise and thanks for the good things that you're doing, for the ways you're making us more like Jesus. Father, as we move forward in the coming weeks, we pray that our story would simply be one that brings you glory and we'd learn how to do this. We pray this in your name. So, so kind 
deserve it Still you give yourself away Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless